Now it's time for this. News Talk's Executive Chair. I'm delighted to welcome to the Executive Chair, Ronan Reid, Director with Cantor Fitzgerald Services Limited. Ronan, I've been wanting to talk to you for a long time <laughs> and I'm delighted you came in to talk to us today. Thanks, Robbie. Welcome. Thank you very much. Now, it all started in Dublin. Um, you were sent off, shipped off to boarding school in Rockwell. Um, you were involved in tennis in your early days and off to UCD post-Rockwell. Was that the route? That's it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. after UCD and after Rockwell. As, as my mother used to say, like, you know, I used to say to her, like, you know, I was the youngest of five, so you stop when you got to me and I was the only one sent away to school. And she'd say, son, go figure. Yeah, that was an easier life, not to have the young lad around the place. My so, father said it was quieter. <laughs> so, Ronan, what did you do in when you left UCD? Did you know what you wanted to do, or hadn't a clue? So, was it sort of opportunity presented itself, and you took it, or yeah, how did you I, get started in uh, did, investment I, banking? Okay. Um, well, actually, bizarrely, I thought I was going to work in the marketing department of Investment Bank of Ireland, and I turned up the first day because you got graduate. It was. Like there were two graduates hired out of I think it was eighteen hundred applications, and um, when I arrived in, I said, "I'm my name's Ronan. I'm a, I'm I'm a graduate trainee. I'm starting today in the marketing department." And they said, "No, you're starting in the treasury department. <laughs> Did you not read the letter?" <laughs> and I went, "No, I didn't. I just saw I had a job and a salary, and I was happy." And isn't it funny that things like that could just pay their part in yeah. in where you end up? Ah, uh, yeah, it does. Yeah, always just a journey. Yeah, and then when we looked down at some of the places that you worked um, along the way, so IBI, um, ABN, AMRO, NCB, these were all, I suppose, some of the boutique investment houses of the Dublin scene. And they were, and I, I think probably the common trend, it, it, it laterally became ABN AMRO, so that's what we called it. But originally when I worked there, it was RIA, the stockbrokers. I worked in Montgomery, Oppenheim. I worked in NCB. These were all businesses set up by entrepreneurs. Yeah. So Rieda was Frank Shanley originally, and then NCB, obviously Dermot Desmond, Montgomery, uh, Gavette was Dan O'Donovan and Paul Montgomery. So they were all entrepreneurial businesses. My father's version of events is I went through a quick succession of five jobs before I, could, I realized I could only work for myself and not for anybody else. Which brings us to the formation neatly uh, of Dolman Securities, which you co-founded with Paul McGowan back in 1995. So, did you, when you were in those other stockbroking houses, did you have one eye on the prize for yourself? Uh, I, I, I always thought I'd set up my own business, and I, I always brought it back to college. Probably some of the few lectures I attended when I was there was John Teeling's, and. Yeah. He was. He's uh, a legend. He, he was, and he was entrepreneurship. And why wouldn't you set up your own business? He did ask us in a lecture what good ideas we had, and it robbed at least two of them. But he, John, was just fantastic. He gave you great enthusiasm. And then when I was in NCB, there had been a lot of changes, and NCB was then sold. And when I was in ABN, when I was in Riyadh, it was sold. And I kind of, I, I sat down, Paul McGann, and we said, look, we think there's a gap for for providing for the private client, for looking after them. And I think I really wanted to set up my own business. My choice at that stage was go to London or set up my own business. Right. And and I looked long and hard. I actually got to file an interview with Solomon Brothers in London and then turned them down, and that didn't go down well. <laughs> and then I came back and, and set up my own business and worked. Uh, Paul and I worked and built up a good a great business a business name and, well. and when we look at almost 30 years ago um, a two person start up 
uh, built to 50 million in revenue, managing 7.5 billion of client assets. That's some achievement. It, it is. <laughs> I just feel old initially. <laughs> I, I remember when Mike Cullen retired from Investec. Somebody put in a newspaper, like, you know, I'm the longest serving CEO. And I said to my son, Am I that old? He went, Yes, Dad, you are. Did you not realize? But it's, I mean, it is. I mean, there were, there were so many twists and turns on the and journey. And I was going to ask you about some of those because, you know, you took in a. A 50% shareholding to the Munich Group was one of the yeah. earlier. Then there was an MBO, acquisitions of Butler Briscoe in 1998. These are all kind of, and they were all different stages of that business. They were. I mean, I, I remember showing my dad my business plan and he had a big smile and he laughed and he said, ah, son, nothing goes up in a straight line. Best of luck. It'll be a journey. And it was. And he was always, he was always correct on that. I think getting investment at the outset. So I had run a, an IFSC company, financial services center company for individuals, German, a German insurance company, and they all moved to Munich Re and I was setting up a business and they said, hey, why don't we like get it up and going and in two years we'll buy into it. So I was backed by a group of investors right at the outset, um, including Dermot Desmond and others, and, and they helped me going. And Dermot was always somebody that you'd look up to in, in terms of his focus, the build-out of NCB, his focus on products. All that stuff helped a lot. And then two years in, Munich Re bought into us, which gave us the capital to start acquiring. Yeah. And Butler Briscoe was the was the first acquisition in of all things in my business. I bought it from a man called John O'Driscoll, and he actually passed away from a heart attack when we were in the middle of the transaction. No way. He and I agreed the final terms, he went to the races. My my wife gave birth to my son on the Saturday, but he died and he died that Saturday night. And I remember it was that was the first acquisition. I missed actually working with him. He was going to be the chairman. Wow. And I missed working with him. But we went on from there to acquire quite a number of other businesses, culminating in Marion Stop Marion Capital Group, probably about I think twenty eighteen. So we continued to acquire and to also build up the business as we were going. And, and isn't it funny that you know when you when you boil it all down, it it is essentially a people and relationship business. Hundred percent. I mean, it is like when I look at the people that I worked with, and you see the career progression. I won't name check this guy because he turned fifty and he'll give out to me. But one chap who worked with me, like he worked with me from the outset, from the very start, and like you not only see the individuals grow in the roles, you see their families, you see everybody grow up. Uh, they would say I probably didn't, but uh, you see everybody kind of evolving with your business, growing with your business, and it becomes a a bigger scale. We we could never have built the business without the people that that came along the journey, Geraldine Jones, Paul McGowan, and then people that work with me, Richard Parr, Steve Tyne, and all these people were with us a long time. Yeah. And that really helped our business grow. There, there's so many others, and I'll now get killed for not calling out everybody that worked. But I remember relationship became central when Cantor bought us. I mean, relationship to the then CEO, Sean Matthews, but really to the the chairman, and as we say, the 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 the, the, man, the general partner Howard Ludnick, who built who formed Cantor, rebuilt Cantor post nine eleven, has built out three enormous building businesses and really successful. But that was all personal relationship, yeah. just people you got on with, like the German guys. I got on with them, and that's what makes a business. It also makes it enjoyable. And as somebody who's clocked up a few decades, you've seen the Celtic Tiger days, mm. you've seen the horrific re- recession of mm. uh, 2008, 2010. Do you, do you, when you look back, do you think of of both those times as sort of polar ends of the uh, uh, of 
of the spectre in the sense. Yeah, well, it was really tangible for us. We had sold our business. We had agreed to sell our business for a very large price, Starish Life and Permanent, in 2007. Yeah. And the deal fell away because they had difficulties <clears throat> that were well publicized at the time. So you're at, you're at what you think is the peak and the zenith and everything. And then not only do you lose it, but you lurch into a significant recession. That's where people really counted as a business we all agreed to cut our salaries above a certain level, cut all our salaries that we would not have a redundancy program. We didn't. We got the business going again. And we just, we, 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 we focused on rebuilding, expanding parts of it. And that worked for us. We had built up a good balance sheet in the business. There are polar opposites. And you dealt, we dealt with all quite a number of the major property developers into the Celtic Tiger. You see the new evolution of those that are building today and, and, and are successful in business. And it, yeah, it, it, it evolves on it. You, sometimes you don't realize at the time because you're head down. Yeah. Got to get there. Got to get it. there. Yeah. And then it's only afterwards when you sit back, you go, oh, yeah, that was, that, that was it. And the other thing that absolutely sustains you is, is, is your relationships and friends. That's what keeps you going and they're the people you rely on. So you've 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 decided to take a step back. I know you're going to st- you're still involved with the with the business as uh, you know. Gonna, you're going to be. Actually, I don't know what the time. I think it's ambassador and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think I think so, ambassador and look uh, at transactions. And again, it's yeah. that, again that goes with reputation. Knowing uh, where the deals are, all that stuff. That, and that's, that's, and that's, that's that's the, the equity job. you build personally. Yeah, it is, and it is. Uh, I had always set the time that I would do it before I was fifty-eight and fifty-eight in December. So I'd kind of I don't know why I picked. I I've, I've an idea in the back of my head, but anyway, that was an age I picked. My boss in the states used to say, "Where'd you come up with that age?" I said, "I don't know, but it's there." We agreed it, and yeah. and, uh, and he was super. And he said, "Like you know, you gotta keep using what you have. You've more to give, loads more to give." So. And I just said, yeah, I just think it's time for somebody else to come in. And I think the chap we've hired, Jared's great, another good Rockwell man, went to my same school. Uh, so Jared's super, and it needs it needs a whole, like, you know, we have to go on to the next stage of the business. The yeah. evolution of the business may be overseas. That means that somebody's been sent over to look and buy a business. That'll be part of my role. But but Jared is the perfect guy to lead okay. the business forward. So, Roland, when you look at the market as we as we look today, uh, the volatility of equity markets, the ten odd interest hike rates, or rate rate hikes, should I say? Where do you think we are now? What do you think? What do you think are the biggies over the next twenty four months in terms of, of, I suppose, the fiscal landscape? Oh, I think there's. I mean, navigating to higher rates. I remember first saying it to people like rates will have to turn and people are saying no they won't and when they have to then it has to normalize you can't print money forever and i said if you don't it ends up in chaos and they say well like you know the first time quantitative easing was done people would say oh was it greenspan and i went no it was the romans they shaved the coins and put them out and it didn't end well like you know when yeah. you when you do it so you have to you have to take the money out and everybody knew it and i think we went through a covid period when when people were in absolute lockdown, saved a lot of money, and were told you got to live for the day. So they came out of COVID spending, and we have inflation, and then you have logistical challenges that drove it, then you have war, you have, have all that. So that continues to drive inflation. I mean, when you look at equity markets today, eight, like, you know, the Magnificent Seven, seven stocks contribute all the positive growth this year. They're the tech stocks. Yeah. And it's interesting, they're the guys that are retrenching in Ireland but they are contributing nearly all of the growth of the market. A lot of the other stocks are down. Which is year. scary at one level. It, it yeah. is, but I think people are banking on their their cash flow, 
the deliverability and they had the ability to cut cost without losing service. Like one of the things that's interesting, it's it's really challenged and tough, like, you know, whether it's Accenture, whether it's different businesses that have publicly cut numbers in Dublin, but you haven't heard anything in the tech retrenchment about loss of revenues. Yeah. So they had just overexpanded to a, to, a, to a need coming into COVID that probably wasn't required. Okay, uh, finally... Uh, maybe some of the non-business stuff. I know you're a keen tennis man, uh, five-a-side football. I didn't know you were a poker player. Oh, yeah, that's that's uh, Tom McEnany, I'd say, contributed to that because Tom and I played in a poker group for, for a long time with a group of friends. I said, I'm keen, not not, not, not necessarily good. And, and several of my colleagues would say, well, it used to be five-a-side, now it's eight-a-side, and I don't run anymore. So I get a lot of grief. I definitely get a lot of grief out of that. Tennis was always my main interest. And then at the end of tennis, a group of friends, we set up a football team in our in our very late twenties, and we continued playing. and And the organizer of the game told me the other day I was appearing six hundred and thirty five on my five aside football, Stop. which really scared me. Yeah. Well, listen, it's been a pleasure to catch up Absolutely. with you, and we wish you well in future endeavors. You're a man who's done some service, so well done on all that, and uh, wishing you every success now in the next phase. So, Ronan Reed, uh, director of Cantor Fitzgerald Services. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks a million, Bobby. Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland. Saturday morning at 11 on News Talk.